Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week we'll be discussing Sweet Christmas, Luke Cage. <laughs> Joining me to do so is one Mr. Jared Hahn. Jared, welcome back. Hello, denizens of the internet. And the catchphrase returns with him. Jared, been entertained by anything recently? I kind of like how you've dropped your voice an octave whenever you say Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas. Um, yeah, gosh, Civilization Six dropped. That's been fun. So have you beaten it yet? I've beaten one playthrough, yeah. So how long is a playthrough? <clears throat> oh, I probably put in six hours. That was a standard size map with a... Uh, so base difficulty set at what they call Prince, and this was one step below it, Warlord, as I learned the game. And I... It was like 1750 and I had tanks, so it was a little too easy because I think I got some background, right? Um, so Civ 6 has been fun, but that's kind of one of those games you pick up and put down a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and been replaying Dishonored. The, in, in, are you getting ready for Dishonored 2? Because that's coming I, out soon. Yeah, so on November 11th, I okay. think it is. But yeah, so I'm playing through the original Dishonored. I never played the DLC. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play through the original Dishonored, and then I'm going to pick up the Knife of Kirk... It's not Kirkwall, because that's... Dragon Age. That's Dragon Age. The Knife of Dun- Dunwall, or Dunkirk, or something. I think it's Dunwall. The Knife of Dunwall. And then there's, like, the, the Witches of Brigamore, or something like that. Okay. The two, like, story DLCs. Because I think those lead directly into the story of what's going to happen in Dishonored, too. Is that a game that you'd recommend, Dishonored? Dishonored? Mm-hmm. Oh, heck yeah. Because I have it... But I've never played it. <clears throat> it's, it's aged pretty well, too, considering it's like three or four years old now. Mm-hmm. So. so with the story of of Dishonored, do you have to play the first? Because there was a Dishonored before this one, right? Or is this the first Dishonored? The one, I, there's only one Dishonored. Okay, so this is the ground floor This story. is the ground floor, yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought that there was something in the, in the background that you had to know going into this game that I just I didn't know. There might be some books. Okay. Yeah, typically are. So, it's a Bethesda game, so it's no surprise that you enjoy it. It is Arcane Studios, though, so it's not like the same group that does Skyrim mm-hmm. or Fallout. So it's like a separate studio under the Bethesda producer, so to speak. So okay. it's not like their in-house crew. Uh-huh. But it... Tends to stand up to that, like, you know, Bethesda quality standard, like you would expect with Doom or any of those. Mm-hmm. So I know we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but circling back, Civilization mm-hmm. Six. how is this compared to the other uh, entries so far? It's good. I mean, so Civ Five was a little rough when it first came out, and it really took a couple expansions to get it going. But Civ Six pretty much gives you near parity to what Civ Five was with two expansions. Okay. It has a lot of the same mechanics of the expansions added on, air quotes, to uh, the original just base Civ Five game. So while it might be a little short on nations, that's where they tack on the DLC, that's where they tack on with the expansions. You get more nations that you can play with and different leaders. But, uh, I mean, I'm perfectly happy with what's there to start with. <clears throat> it's... Uh, they change just enough of the mechanics that there's a bit of a paradigm shift in how you approach playing. Mm-hmm. I won't get into the nitty-gritty because it'd take up the whole podcast. <laughs> but uh, the the politics are a little better. The AI is, AI is pretty decent. There's a lot of things I could nitpick being a big 4X mm-hmm. gamer type thing. Um, but 
it's good. I mean, it's definitely worth the price of admission. Most people, if they're into 4X, will get their, what, $60 back out of Civ Six if you buy it day one. Right. And then there'll be, you said there's expansions that always come out. Oh, yeah. What do the expansions do? What do they bring? They'll they'll probably release, if it's like Civ Five, they'll release map packs, so different types of map, maps that you can play on, you know, be it uh, like Archipelago, or I think there is an Archipelago one already, but... They are like themed ones, so like it's actually in the shape of the world. You can conquer the existing world and stuff like that. Okay. <clears throat> um, and then they'll release probably individual nations. So some of the nations in Civ Five were just standalone expansions. You know, they mm-hmm. make all the assets and import it into the game and charge five bucks for it. And then other ones will be like, Fraxis tends to do like twenty or thirty dollar expansions, where it's just it's almost like a they're adding on a quarter or thirty percent more game to what's already there, and you pay a twenty or thirty dollar, you know, entry fee. Entry fee to to get that expanded content, which is usually worth it. Mm-hmm. You could argue with Beyond Earth when that came out that it was a bit of a letdown until Rising Tide came out, and still a lot of people didn't like it even after the Rising Tide expansion. Okay, so <clears throat> with a guy like me that. The last time I've played, I've never played Civilization, but I have them. And I've always just kind of been hesitant because I like games like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Age of Empires, mm-hmm. where you go and you, you, it's more of an RTS type game where yeah. you progress through more of a quicker succession rate of taking over the map, I, I guess. How does how would you describe to someone who is familiar with RTS games what a 4X game like Civilization Six really like what the differences are. Civilization Six is more of what we call grand strategy. So instead of just playing a 30-minute session, or even if you look at Age of Empires 2, sessions could go on for hours, but grand strategy is like you're looking at the long game, not the short game, right? You're looking at that long-term investment. You're not, you need to develop your resources and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you're talking about conquering and meeting victory conditions that are a lot wider in scope than just destroying the other guy. Mm-hmm be it a cultural victory, a science victory, a military victory, a religious victory, a, you know, whatever the game gives you. Because in Age of Empires, they got to that point where it was like, once you got to, like, you know, level four or whatever, you could build, like, these things, and as long as you held them for a certain amount of time, there's you would win. that did that. Yeah. yeah you could, there was relics that you could capture, and if you mm-hmm. held the relics so long, you'd win, or, yeah. So, I mean, civil, you can look at, like, the tech tree of something like Age of Empires, and you got, like, four eras. Well, there's, like, you know, ten eras in Civilization. Mm-hmm. And it happens over a much longer period of time. People play it multiplayer. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend multiplayer, just because you tend to wait a long time unless you're playing really fast speeds. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing fast speeds, you really need to know the game inside and out. Otherwise, you're sitting there reading tooltip uh, okay. for you know ten minutes at a time, and the person you're playing with, you're you know want to yank your hair out because it's taking them ten minutes to do a turn, and it's taking you a minute to do a turn. Mm-hmm. So if you do multiplayer, play it with somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Unless you go in with the understanding of, hey, I mean, we're kind of mm-hmm. casual about this, so take your time, whatever. We're talking in the background while we're playing, whatever happens, right? And that's fine, yeah. Yeah. I mean, co-op civilization is a lot of fun, just teaming up with somebody else and trying to work together. Mm-hmm. But you'll play it over probably three or four sessions if you're just playing in the evenings. Hmm. That'd be fun. One of these days I'll have to try out civilization games. Speaking of 4X... Recently, you joined the ranks of the Play Some Video Games crew. I did, yeah. And and you wrote a review on, was it Endless Space? Endless Space 2 Early Access, or, or Early Release, yeah. 
less access, more release. Yeah. So obviously people can go and read your full thoughts there at playsomevideogames.com. But give me a, a quick fire what your in- impressions were. Yeah, um, again, positive. And Amplitude Studios does a really good job of asymmetry. So what I mean by that is that every nation or race or whatever you want to call it plays a lot different than the other races. So in like Civilization VI, for example, you might play America and you might play Germany. And they have slightly different units and slightly different buildings and some decently different synergies. But after a couple hours, it all just sort of melts together and Germany is just as good as the U.S. Is there's right. They might be a little stronger in some eras, like classic versus medieval, but it's it's just sort of a silly thing, right? Like at the end of the day, you're getting a little bit of flavor, a little bit of special stuff. It's usually not going to affect the balance too much. Whereas Amplitude Studios likes to say, okay, you have this race, and it's going to play totally different than this race. This race is going to have traditional colony ships. You'll colonize planets. It's very safe. It's very familiar to 4X gamers. This race doesn't colonize planets. They live on arc ships. Oh, and you just can't grow your population. You have to go abduct it from other people. And, oh, to upgrade your stuff, you need, like, a sort of like a faith counter. But to get that faith counter, you have to abduct other people from other civilizations. It just doesn't just naturally grow over time. So <laughs> if you play the one race, okay, well, you're just going to colonize planets and build yourself up, and it feels very RTS-y. It feels very familiar. You play the other race, well, you got to get used to, like, breaking into people's territory and trying to steal and abduct their citizens and get out before the, the help comes and mm-hmm. play diplomacy and just, you know, it, it's really powerful and it's still is just as valid balance-wise, but there's a lot more finesse to knowing how to play something totally differently. differently. Or they have another race that uh, doesn't do diplomacy, and if they, they, they're consumed with war, and you have to attack, otherwise you consume yourself. Like, you consume planets, you strip them of natural resources, and if you don't move and attack and you don't get new planets, your population sort of winks out as they consume themselves. Hmm. So... I mean, if you're into playing the super military faction, there you go. You yeah. don't have to worry about diplomacy because you can't actually use diplomacy. You <laughs> have to attack. That's cool. Yeah. It's a lot of... That's what the Endless series does. So they started with Endless Space. They came out with Endless Legend, which is like a fantasy version. It's all in kind of like a shared universe, so to speak. Don't Don't think like Mass Effect shared universe. Just think like... They all share commonality of names and mm-hmm. uh, resources and stuff like that. But uh, it's good. It's a good, solid start. It's an early access, so not everything's there. There's still content to be added, but, I mean... Do you know when it's supposed to get full release or a window? I don't, I don't think they've committed to a date. <clears throat> Usually they just say it's like four to six months after they do for or early release. And as far as early access goes, I've, I've tried a couple early access things, and they're usually... Pretty rough. Yeah. So, but this one was different from that, right? It was stable. Yeah, stable for me. It's, I mean, you can go look at the forums. People are having issues, but on the PC gamer, right. everybody has yeah. issues, even on a you know, AAA title mm-hmm. that comes out. So. Even in Battlefield 1, people have issues, right? Probably. Cool. Well, obviously, we didn't come here to really talk about games, <laughs> but uh, if you do want to look at your full review, it is over on playsomevideogames.com. Be sure to check it out. But let's go ahead and talk about the main event for this evening, today, whatever this is. Whenever you're listening to this, our entertaining thoughts for this week.
cage. Two cage. Would this have been a uh, a different vibe if the title was Carl Lucas? Carl Lucas. I mean, they're right. Carl Lucas is a goofier name than Luke Cage. So. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Totally. Luke Cage works. I was just waiting for at some point someone to be like Carl. Yeah, Carl. <laughs> but that didn't happen. So this this obviously is the Netflix side of the Marvel universe. Um, it follows Jessica Jones, Daredevil, um, and you know they they introduced the Punisher over there. Next is coming Iron Fist, but now. We get to see a full season of Luke Cage, who was introduced with Jessica Jones. And when he was introduced, I don't know about you, but I really liked his character. Mm -hmm. I thought his character was excellent and well done. And so I was really looking forward to what they did with him as a whole thing, because he's indestructible. What are you going to do to take down him? You, you don't you don't use kryptonite against Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have it. But what you find out, there is, a, there is a way to weaken him that they figure out later on in the show. But the daunting task is, this guy can't be hurt. What do we do to make him... The, the Superman complex, yeah. right? Like what do we do, do? Yeah, what do you do to hurt Superman? How do you make him relatable? Yeah. And in this show, they did it. Mm -hmm. They made him into this character that you care about. Because unlike a lot of people in his, in his actual circle, we'll call it, they're very self-serving, nasty... This guy stands out as a sterling example of what he wants Harlem to be, what he believes it should be, and what he believes people should do and be like. He doesn't even curse, nope. which I love. He's he's like morally on the street, right? And the, so far, the Netflix side of the Marvel universe has all been about like shades of gray, mm -hmm. right? Like everybody has their darker side, or, right? Like Daredevil watch, wants to do justice, but sometimes you have to be the the Your bad own. guy, mm -hmm. yeah, or Jessica Jones. You sort of watch and you're like, oh, she's doing it to herself. She's, mm -hmm. you know, and but Luke Cage is just like on the straight and narrow. And that's mm -hmm. why you, I think everybody likes him so much. Is he doesn't cheat. You know, mm -hmm. he, he takes the hard way and he accepts the uh, he accepts the his responsibility for his actions and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, which is a stark contrast to the other person in like the villain. We'll call him the Cottonmouth. We're mm -hmm. introduced to. I can't remember his actual name. So Cottonmouth. Cornell or something? Cornell. Yeah, but I can't I remember his last name. I can't remember his last name either. But he, that guy, whoever played him, really great bad guy. And that that's an, another thing with these Marvel movies or Marvel TV shows. You get great villains <laughs> for the most part. Um, I thought Cottonmouth was a great villain. Mm -hmm. uh, full spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. So Yeah, tune out now. Tune out now if you don't want full spoilers for Luke Cage. Um but what I was really surprised when the episode came along and he had that mic drop moment, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, he was really well rounded out. The backgrounds to him being a, when he was a kid and while playing the piano and everything and then kind of turning him into what he became. An amazing character journey. And whoever that actor is, I th he looked really familiar to me, but... When I saw his actual name, I was like, he did, I didn't stand out for mm -hmm. someone I knew, but he did a fantastic job with Cottonmouth. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All around, every, everybody that was cast in this was really good, even Misty, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the cousin of Cottonmouth, whatever her name was. The only person I really just don't care for at all in this show is Diamondback. He was, he was kinda, a little weird, but he but that was kind of the point, right? Like, he's yeah. supposed to be a little weird. He's right. off kilter. He's, he's the opposite of Luke Cage in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, 
And there's the problem that we come into with this one where we kind of got that, that villain trope really hardcore with his, with him as yeah. at the end when he got that suit on and everything that looked like a snake, the, the, the diamondback mm-hmm. snake. But I think that leading up to that final thing where he put on the, the suit, everything was really good, really well paced and done. But what I loved most about this show was just the way that they interwove everything together from all the different sides, brought it all together, and the music for each episode was really well chosen. Mm-hmm. They had these these songs that they sang for each one and tied really into a theme of the episode, and it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. What what are your overall thoughts of the show? Uh, I mean, gosh, that's a, that's a big question. I... It's not my favorite. I still think Jessica Jones holds my favorite. Just because Jessica Jones was an amazing... I mean, everything has been amazingly written. I think uh, Daredevil still holds the the throne for most violent. You know, The, the second season especially. second season especially. It will add Punisher. I'm sure mm-hmm. Punisher season one will probably take the, <laughs> uh-huh. that hat. Um, but Luke Cage, I mean, it was just good television drama, right? It was a good story. The mic drop moment you mentioned, like, you don't develop a character for, like, eight episodes and then nuke him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Typically, oh, yeah. oh, uh, Unless you're Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't even Game of Thrones style. It wasn't just... It wasn't a season anything. It was, still, it was mid-season. Yeah, it was mid-season, and it was building his character up. And, okay, yeah, he gets, he gets it, but there's still some play. Like, the characters are still responding to what happened, like, four episodes later, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of fun. Um, I thought I really liked the episode that went through his origin story, mm-hmm. Luke Cage origin story. There like, were a couple episodes that kind of built, but the one where he was mostly in the in the, prison, yeah, in prison, and the sort of nod to the original Luke Cage in the comics with his yellow shirt, and the love that. crown, and everything else, and <laughs> looks in the mirror and says, "Man, I look dumb," or something like that. And <laughs> I it's love just, that though; it's so yeah, good, and just. Even people who aren't familiar with comics are going to have a laugh moment at that mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, you know, I, I know nothing about Luke Cage other than he looked like that when he was first introduced and he's, I think, married to Jessica Jones in the Marvel Universe or something like that. They have a relationship at least. There's yeah. something going on there, yeah. Um, I come to find out there's other little nods to Iron Fist already from the prison, the billionaire in the basement mm-hmm. uh, comment that it's, maybe it was you or somebody else actually pointed out to me. I'm not yeah, but anyway, like, I had no idea that was coming. And that just, that sort of adds to the mystique of what's coming. Right. So, Luke Cage, you know, when we talked about Sherlock, I just said, you know, this is good television. Mm-hmm. And Luke Cage is just good television. I, I'm pretty convinced that just about any adult could sit down and probably enjoy what they're watching. Unless they have a thing against violence, which none of the Netflix Marvel universes for you or in any of the movies, really, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But, uh... It's it's Netflix does a good job of grounding all this stuff in reality. I guess towards the end with Diamondback's suit and stuff like right. that. I mean, that fight was a little drone worthy. Mm-hmm. But again, you get back to well, how do you hurt the guy who can't be hurt? Uh, I mean, they they did the whole let's shoot him with super bullets thing. That got a little old. Mm-hmm. So they had to do something else. But uh, I don't. I, I mean, that last fight. The whole time you're thinking, okay, you've had no less than a dozen attempts to just, like, poke the shiny thing on the back of his back that's supplying him with power. Uh-huh. Why don't you just hit it with your fists? 
he loses power, game over, and you not you know you don't have like eight broken ribs at the end of this episode. So mm-hmm. it's uh, but it was it was I mean even if I had to rate that last episode, it'd still be like a nine out of ten. That right? with like him. it's still good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a good culmination of their story too, as you know they're half brothers, um, and that whole journey to finding out more flashback sequences of Carl being a young kid and everything. I was never really 100% sure, and I don't know if you caught this and I just didn't catch it, what the crime was that he took the fall for. Not specifically, no. Okay. Because it seemed to be like a while back, but before that he was a sheriff or a lawman of some sort. He was a cop of some sort, yeah. Yeah. And so when he's in jail, I never really understood why he was in jail or what Diamondback framed him for. All we knew that he was framed. But they're probably saving the details yeah. for that for a second. So there was that file at the end of the, yeah. of the show that had it. Um, so another character in this episode that travels between realms, we'll call Claire. it. Or, yeah, between yeah. all of them. Night Nurse. Um, she is... Was excellent, especially in this one. She was she's always good. Yeah. Um. Even when she appeared in, briefly in Jessica, uh, Jones. Jessica Jones, when she was tending to Luke Cage there, mm-hmm. that was just really well done and a culmination of her being here in this, and a callback to what happened in in yeah. uh, Daredevil with the the kids or whatever that were possessed. The 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 ninjas, the yeah. undead ninjas. Yeah. As odd as that sounds. Uh huh. Just by itself. The hand or whatever they were. Yeah. But so she references that and that she's kind of taking a break because they were being weird at the hospital because of mm-hmm. what had happened. They didn't want to admit something happened, but clearly something did. So she was away. And then she decides, I want to be a person that helps these people. You know, I want to help enable them. And so she kind of takes on this moniker of Night Nurse, finally, that you know that she was going to eventually get if you're familiar with the comics. And does so in a way that she's integral to Luke Cage's journey. Yeah. Or really, so I mean, let's think about it. Is she going to be the person that brings all these separate threads together? Well, it She's the seems only person too. so far that knows everybody. I mean, she alludes a couple times. I know I know a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to call him right now. She, she knows Jessica Jones, or at least she's met with Jessica Jones. Well, she knows yeah. Luke Cage. She uh-huh. knows Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. So presumably we might find out something with Iron Fist. Who knows? Well, at the end, she grabbed that... That pull tag for the number, that's in reference to Iron Fist. Oh, okay. So I so can't... maybe she's the tie that binds us all together. Yeah. It's... With her, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for Defenders. So how it all comes together, I want to see that. But then the role that she plays, and I'm worried for her, though, that she might have that Coulson role. Yeah. I don't want her to die because yeah. in in the comics I can't remember her if she ever did die or what her character or journey concluded with, but she is just what's the name Rosario Dawson is that yep. who actually yep. that's her she is excellent. Well, yeah, I think she, so. It was what New York Comic Con recently where they finally got all those same actors under one roof, mm-hmm. and then she came out as like the fifth. And got like a standing ovation because people just love the character so much. And mm-hmm. she, I mean, she rocked it in Luke Cage. I was a little surprised that they seemed to like put her at home in Luke Cage. Oh, yeah. Like, I kind of figured her home was in the Daredevil series, not Jessica Jones or Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. But next thing you know, she's, you know, spoiler alert, romantic interest of Luke Cage. They're having coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, 
okay, I didn't see that coming. I kind of thought she'd be like the on and off again dramatic thing with Matt. Mm-hmm. Maybe she will be. I, I don't see how they'll do it now. Yeah. But she, I mean, she rocked it. She got a lot more screen time and she showed that she can handle it. And she she showed a lot of uh, gusto too when when Luke Cage was trying to, they were trying to figure out how to help him with that bullet that was inside of him. And she was at first very, we're going to pull the plug. You, mm-hmm. We're going to pull the plug. And she did eventually, but then like something clicked at that point when she did that, that she said, we have to do this. And she was able to figure it out that the doctor guy couldn't figure out. Mm-hmm. And was able to really uh, take it to the point where they could get that bullet out of him and go there by killing, essentially, Luke. Yeah. So it's... It's really interesting to see that character in that progression, and I, I look forward to seeing what else they are able to do with her in the future with Iron Fist and, and the Defenders. But the the other person that was kind of the villainous character was the... She didn't really start out villainous, but she definitely did towards the end, was the cousin of Cottonmouth. And... Daisy Mabel or something. Was it Daisy? I can't remember the specific name. Mariah. Mariah. Mariah Julie. Right. Okay. The problem with her, though, which is, is kind of meta in a way, that in the Marvel MCU, there's been consistency of characters. If you recall back to Civil War, the person that cornered Luke, or uh, cornered Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., after mm-hmm. his initial thing, was Alfie Woodard, who played Mariah. So that same actor oh, yeah. was that same person. So that's their like first kind of whoops in I casting. Never, I could have never, I could have gone for years and never been able to tell you that. So yeah. if that gives you any indication of what the rest of the listener base, I mean, I I like this stuff. I don't necessarily know the comics, but I totally forgettable for me in the Iron Man universe. Yeah. So I just it's completely a different character. Um, unless they're going to try to spin it and be like, oh no, she was actually this person. I don't think you can do <laughs> I that. <hope> not. <laughs> But I, I just one of the rare missteps. But when you get this big, you have how many movies now? I can't tell. You got four different series, actually five, uh, with Agents of Shield. Um, you're gonna eventually have a a small thing, and that was, she was a small character in Iron Man. It's not like she was integral to the story. Was that Iron Man one? The, well, that was actually Captain America three. So oh, okay. I still don't even remember. I just saw that movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's the one that kind of makes Tony think about, my son died, this was his name. Oh, yep, yep, okay, I remember her now. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I wish that they would have been a little bit more due diligence about that casting, but that aside, it's a small thing, it's fine. Um, super excited to see where her character goes. She's kind of... That's the, really an origin story for her character. Yeah. The whole season. Yeah. It's an origin story for her and like a, an introduction to Luke Cage and who he is and what he's doing. What I'm really looking forward to in like a second season of Luke Cage is what becomes of her now. Like how does she grow into... Because you, you see the flashbacks. It was a, like the mama whatever character uh, that raised Cottonmouth and her. She was the lord, like the, the overlord back in the time. How is she going to become that kind of role? Is she going to do a duality with the, the polit- political stuff as well as this? Well, like a Palpatine? Yeah. Well, and also keep in mind, they got rid of nobody at the end of Luke Cage Season 1. Yeah, they're all alive. Everybody's still alive. All the major characters. All the major characters. Like, all the bad people, still there. Mm-hmm. Still even more upset than they were to start with. 
they got rid of nobody except for just the two-bit side characters that maybe got a name in a few episodes, and that was it. Pops was probably the biggest thing that they got, and he had to. I mean, he's the the Uncle Ben for this story, in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, Which, speaking of him, what did you think of the Pops character? Odd. He was the Coulson, right? He had he was that tragic figure that had to die to actually get people to do anything. Uh-huh. It's it's a trope, but it works. I mean, it, it was played it was acted very well. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I mean, his his background too was actually really interesting how he was that that street he kid. He was a bully. Yeah, yeah, he was a bully. He was the guy, but he turned himself around. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he kind of became like this this beacon in Harlem that look if you want to turn yourself around, you come talk to me. I can help you out. He had he was Switzerland. They called mm-hmm. that out a couple times, you know. So people were supposed to leave that as hollow ground. Obviously, there was the one character that decided not to do that. Yeah. And he got thrown off of, off of a very unceremoniously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you get the the one person that kind of has the call to action, and at the beginning, Luke. He was always just going to run away from his problems. Mm-hmm. But the line, you know how Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility. The line that Pop says is, always forward, never back. Mm-hmm. Right? So don't run from it. Just face it head on. Go forward. Figure things out. So when you look at that character as being a formative person, he really is the reason why Luke Cage is the way he is at that point. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like if he wasn't introduced into this this character's journey... That he would just be running around still. He'd just be moving from place to place. He was the father figure Luke never had. And you you find True. out that Luke's father figure was pretty lame uh-huh. in season one, mm-hmm. if non-existent at times, or, or completely corrupt and broken. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he's, you know, dreading meeting his father and all. You know, it's just like, there's all this drama, but really the father figure is... Pops. Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there's a lot of action that happens in this... Sh- show but surprisingly not as much as i anticipated really it was more of a drama it was more of a drama yeah you you have some when when you have a big character like uh like luke cage physically big and you know just you know a baby hulk in a way i guess you'd call him <laughs> he's just not as crazy as the hulk he, he walks into a place and just smacks people around basically mm-hmm. that and that they're incapacitated from that point you don't have to do anything more graphic than that with luke cage Everybody's always trying to shoot him, even though everybody knows bullets will just bounce off him, mm-hmm. wipe and try. So, as far as the violence goes, I mean, the the most violent stuff you saw was probably between Cottonmouth and everybody else. Everybody else, yeah. The mobster element. Right. When it came to Luke Cage, there wasn't a ton. But when you look at a, a show like Daredevil, even Jessica Jones, there was yeah. a lot more. It was more graphic, for sure, um, in those two. But surprisingly, that wasn't as much here with this one, because you... He could just take a bone and break it if he wanted to. Yeah, he was kind of the Batman figure, right? Like, yeah. he didn't want to take anybody's life. He was fine maiming them, mm-hmm. you know, for being a bad guy. Uh-huh. But, you know, you see the the same guys later that are, like, now like unemployed in Harlem because they're not working for Cottonmouth anymore. Mm-hmm. Or they, you like, leave the country for a while and then come back after they get beat up. You know, you see that. There's a couple inferences to that uh-huh. throughout the season. There was one character, I, I believe, anyway, he was in Daredevil. And he was trying to do something in Daredevil, and, and He's Daredevil the put him away. Dumpster. Yeah. yeah, and then he got showed up in here, and he was like, I'm going to go back to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of funny. Um, and, you know, to speak about this, they're all in boroughs of New York, all these guys. It's kind of funny that it's 
really kind of looking at Har- uh, Harlem, I think, is only a couple blocks big. Mm-hmm. Hell's Kitchen, maybe about the same, right? And the fact that they haven't met yet yeah. in some aspect is kind of funny. Yeah, you think Matt would be able to hear what's going on over there, right? Uh-huh. So Maybe he does and just like, I'm going to say yeah, about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to bother with that. <laughs> Um, but it, it's really fun to see how it'll all play together, and I'm super excited now because they've built up all these main characters. You got Iron Fist coming, yeah. Um, but when they finally pull them together, I'm wondering how how they're gonna treat it because Daredevil is a is a law show, kind of like you know a courtroom mm-hmm. drama in a way with superhero element. This uh, reminded me a lot of like a mystery kind of Shaft in a way for a lot of reasons, but uh, Jessica Jones was very much a drama with trying to deal with PTSD and things like that, especially with uh, uh, Daredevil Season 2 with, with Punisher on that end, too. So how they bring these all these characters together is going to be weird because you're going to put them all in a box, see what happens, and with Avengers, they're all kind of similar, right? Yeah, I think you have to separate it, though, because Avengers, you have a small two-hour time frame, mm-hmm. and you have to try and give everybody their due. But if in the TV medium, you could break off entire episodes and follow just one character. Mm-hmm. You could have a focus on, like, everything's happening simultaneously, but this episode focuses on what Jessica Jones was doing when this happened. This focuses on what Matt Murdock was doing when this happened. And this episode focuses on what Luke Cage was up to. And you can waste four episodes just catching up to one event, a fifth episode where they somehow get together, and then break it out again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I would... It's that sort of storytelling that I would use. Because now you have... 13, 14 hours to play with and not just two. Right. So you can actually give those personalities time. To grow with to themselves. To grow with themselves. And a lot of it will depend on, I don't, I don't know if, what in the TV world if it's still a director or not, but I'm guessing that they're, somebody from that Netflix, Marvel, MCU mm-hmm. is going to at least help the direct. And I would think that the lead writers for Jessica Jones have input. I don't know what happens when you put that many creative minds and. <laughs> And you uh-huh. go in a box and expect what comes out, but the bar is set pretty high with everything so far. Mm-hmm. Punisher will probably find his way in there somewhere, maybe. I didn't expect that to be a show, and now that's like, I think they're filming it now. Oh, and Luke Cage at the end of this goes out to jail, mm-hmm. so you know he's going to be a part of the Defenders. Yep. Is is that going to be resolved? Is is there going to be a case with Matt Murdock that starts out as defending? It could yeah, uh, it could Luke be. Cage. There's a lot of really cool ideas, and I don't think they're going to disappoint whatever they end up going with. Yeah. I mean, like we've seen so far, it's been consistently good with everything that's come out. Um, my personal favorite so far, I think, is Luke Cage from just the fact of his hero. He is, you know, a, a man trying to do right by everyone. Mm-hmm. And he's just, you know, always carrying around that swear jar, too. And, make, and there was something, there has to be something else that I was going to I think there's something that. in it. He never opens it. He never it. opens it, but he carries it with him everywhere. Yeah. It's too important to just abandon. But one of the last things that Pop said before he died was swear jar. Yeah. So I was just waiting for him to open that thing up, and there would be like some sort of message yeah, or something. I thought there would be some sort of twist, but maybe they're holding on to that. That would be a fun thing to carry over into another season. Yeah. I mean, that will still be there hanging as a yeah. possibility, so we'll have to see eventually. But overall, really good show. Um, music, again, really cool. I thought it was interesting well done. I like how you get like this kind of weird... Dark jazzy music for Jessica Jones. You get more of the superhero-ish kind of music with Daredevil kind of mystery. And this one, yeah, yeah. And this one, you get the R and B. Yeah, R and B feel the and everything. Yeah, on. yeah, it does. So 
the question's going to be, what is Iron Fist music going to yeah. be at this point? Is it going to be like, uh, like, I don't know. Because do you know uh, the story of Iron Fist? I don't. He's basically a rich white man that I know that learns uh, Kung, Fu. Kung Fu and then comes back. Okay. So he's basically Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel's Batman. But he gets superpowers as well. Because um, he punched a dragon. All right. Which is not too dissimilar from what happens with Doctor Strange, where he's going to go and yeah. learn the arts from the ancient one. A lot know? of people seem to be liking Doctor Strange, by the way. So I've seen a lot of Twitter action on Doc- Doctor Strange. Reviews not have to come totally out. shift. No, no, here. that's actually kind of what I was leading into. Doctor Strange, the reviews have started to come out. The movie doesn't come out until next week, next which we'll be discussing next yeah. week. And that is the one Marvel hero I just don't want to happen. I'm, I'm going into it with my arms crossed and waiting to be impressed. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I just don't like the story of Doctor Strange. I, you know, I'm not I'm really one for the occult. And, mm-hmm. like, Doctor Strange is all about the occult. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I'll probably still... Give it a shot. I can't imagine. See, if they make it too occulty, they're going to scare away any future. Like, the demographic for the United States, yeah, it's still going to make a ton of money, but they're going to lose that huge chunk of demographic. It'll be the next Thor if mm-hmm. it's really weird and out there. Yeah. And nobody, I mean, we look at Thor and we just go, they're okay, but you're not really going to, like, jump out and buy the next DVD. You're not really going to, like, rewatch it a million times. You're not looking forward to Thor Turn Off the Dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And they, you know, Ragnaros, they said, oh, Ragnaros is going to be the strangest movie in the MCU yet. And you're already just like, I could probably skip that one. Although I do want to watch Ragnarok because it's like a buddy movie with Hulk and Thor. With Hulk, yeah. I mean, it's because Hulk is in it that I'm interested. Yeah, exactly. That's probably why they let everybody know that like, yeah, day one exactly. of filming. He's like, by the way, Hulk's in this. Yeah. You're all good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when Doctor Strange comes out, what the real perception is, and what I feel about it. Because, like I said, I'm going into that one as the least excited for any Marvel movie I've ever seen. Even less so than Thor. Um, and Thor I didn't even see in the theaters. Yeah. I just I waited for like DVD on that. Um, but yeah, so next week we'll be discussing Doctor Strange with Benedict Cumberbatch. It'll be concluding our Cumber Block. Cumber Block. It's, it's going to be uh, a long ride, but it'll be over at that point. So anybody who's been straight away because of Sherlock, welcome back. Because Sherlock won't be discussed for a while again because it'll be a while before it's actually out. <laughs> it's just before we see it. Yeah, know, exactly. She's a proxy to get into the BBC or something. And <laughs> uh, I'm sure there'll be ways. There'll be ways. Can we talk about Flash real quick? Oh, absolutely. Season three. I, love, I love Flash. Season three, though? <sighs> okay, so here's what Have my thing is. the shark? The King Shark? Uh, Arrow did, for sure. But with The Flash, I am just waiting for him to go back in time because here's what... If you remember in season one or two, when he originally goes back in time and he's going to save his mom, future him says, no, stop. Mm -hmm. That still has to happen. This timeline Flash after Flashpoint needs to go back and do that and be like, just stop. Yeah, but... What is it, Doctor Who, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly? Things get really loose and fast when people start doing time travel because they just go, oh, well, that was a different, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Maybe. I haven't seen that much continuity between, like, what's happened season one and season three. I know we're four episodes in. I think I've seen three of the episodes. Uh-huh. And so far, it's just kind of grown-worthy. It's really not that good. You get you have uh, Kid Flash just trying to be Kid Flash. You yeah. know, in, in this Flashpoint universe, you have... Um, Ichabod Crane is somewhere out there now. Not Crane. Thawne. Yeah. He's out there somewhere because Again. he dropped him off. Yep. Um, 
You got the new girl Flash, whatever her name is. Yeah, which I'm fine with with her running around. It's just, but she's from a different dimension anyway. So why is she even coming back? Oh, so I I never now you know I never read Flashpoint, mm-hmm. but I know that Flashpoint is like upheld as a gold standard for like good comic plot. In the like, comic, it is people good. loved Flashpoint, mm-hmm. and people had really high expectations when they went into season three saying Flashpoint. And thus far, it just seems like everybody's made a. We we know we can't mix in Batman. We know we can't mix in all these other big characters. But well, they could if they wanted to. In the meantime, though, it's just it's grown worthy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just getting campy, and so we keep waiting for this episode that'll turn it around. And it's like, okay, we're four episodes in. Uh-huh. When are they gonna fix it? You know what's going on? But it just seems like they're trying to build up for more of the same, and it's just like. Yeah. I think we might only had one good season one, one good season two, and we might just have and to suffer through season three and hope that they rebound. They rebound. I mean, it's, I mean, it's definitely not as good as season two at this point. And they're still filming. I, th- I mean, they still oh, film yeah. the stuff as it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll they'll pick on the fact that change some of the fans are bored with what's going on mm-hmm. and fix it. I am looking forward to see what they do to fix it because you know he has to go back in time and he was gonna go back in time and fix yeah. it but you know the other flash stopped him from a different dimension again again yeah um i guess this dimension travel is just, it's just easy it's good yeah and the the convenience which those like time wraiths show up as much why as, haven't they shown up yeah yet? so they come they come up and chase the bad guy yeah but flash is messing with everything and they're just like ah that's ah, okay <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for, honestly. I'm I'm surprised we haven't seen a time wraith yet, or, and I haven't watched any of the Legends of Tomorrow yet. But you know they deal with time travel and stuff in there. So is there going to be a? I know there is going to be a huge crossover event with everybody: Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow people, Arrow. Um, they're all going to be on on one like span of episodes. So possibly that's the culmination of all this. Maybe it's building towards something just slowly. That's just even episode one was bad. Yeah, like. Hi, I'm the new Iris. I know that I've always loved you, Barry. I don't know how I know it, but I always have. And then he gets in a battle, and she's like, remember, you can do it. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right, I can. <laughs> how many times have we seen that? It's uh-huh. getting so old. Barry, just believe in yourself. How many times do you have to have Iris remind you that you can actually do this? That's, that's oh, the whole trope, gosh. though, it seems to be with, with the Flash. is mm-hmm. Run, Barry, run! Yeah, it was it was good for two seasons, and now I'm just expecting a more confident Barry. Or at least a Barry that's, like, racked by, like, a... Almost like a PTSD because of all the... Mm-hmm. Like, how much he's messed stuff up. Instead, it's just like, oh, well, I'm forgetting things, and I'm a little worried. And the timeline's different now, but it's just... Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mess. I hope they just, like, even it out, or start fixing it somehow and i don't have a, a good suggestion so i'm the worst kind of critic at this point but i mean the only thing that could fix it quote unquote would be time travel again yeah i mean I just it, uh, and you see in in this new flashpoint uh timeline uh what's your name has the the cold powers manifesting. Frost, uh, yeah uh, what's her name yeah we're bad with names we need to just show up at podcasts know. with a list of names <laughs> of the actor or actress and the person they play. Yeah. Well, Killer Frost. Killer Frost. Everybody Killer knows what Frost, we're talking about. Yeah. But, I mean, I do. And then, what's his name? His brother died. Uh, Shade. Not Shades. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> brother died. The the guy that names everybody? Uh, Cisco. Oh, Cisco. Yeah. Every, his brother died, and, you know, in, in this universe. But it's just. It's too contrived a lot of times where it's like, oh, yeah, you. And he even called it out. You went back in time to save yourself, but you won't go back in time to save, you know, my brother. From a drunk driver, you know. Yeah. 
So it's just one of those things where I wish it was as good as I want it to be. Yeah. And I'm waiting for the time to come around where I was like, oh, here's here's the episode that fixes it all. And it might happen. It might. It might just take ten episodes. Never know. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with with normal terrestrial broadcast is that you have to wait a week to week, sometimes a couple weeks, mm. to see what happens next. Whereas, would we have the same kind of complaint if this was a Netflix series where it all just dropped? You just watch so. through it. You would? Yeah. Because then you're like, it, four hours in, you're like, this isn't doing anything. If well. Luke Cage started off with like six bad episodes, people would be still talking about it. They might, now it might end up being, well, you got to put up with some bad episodes before it gets good. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I really do like the future of television is just dropping an entire season. Because mm-hmm. then you can just watch whatever you want. You're done. People are happy. Subscriber numbers go up because it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm just worried because Flash started getting bad, or Arrow started getting bad at season three. Can't be. And now Flash is here, and now the same thing's kind of happening. So and are they getting too confident, and then it just sort of slips? Or are there different writers at work? I don't know. There are obviously different writers, I'm sure. But Flash kind of, or Arrow, rebooted itself this season kind of in a way. Um, maybe Flash will have to do something similar like that. But something weird, a small weird change from the Flashpoint incident, the baby that Diggle had in Arrow is now a boy instead of a girl. Hmm. <laughs> I don't like I said I didn't catch that. So, I don't know why that is, but that is a thing. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how it all culminates. Like I said, I'll wait until that point when everybody's on the screen together, figuring something out for some reason. They might have something bigger planned. Yeah. Again, you know the whole Defenders thing. I'm, I'm super excited for that when that comes out, and whenever they bring all these heroes together, that'll be good too. But it'll be it'll be interesting. Speaking of of heroes. Did you catch the the latest Wonder Woman trailer? No, but I'm not really. You're not looking. Into I don't it. follow the DC side that much. Really, I just follow the the CW channel stuff the most. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Batman v Superman uh, it was okay. It, it wasn't, wasn't as, as bad. It wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a MCU movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So I have pretty low. I mean, if Wonder Woman comes out and it's good, that's great because I have pretty low expectations for everything coming out of that that side of the movie universe. Yeah. Do I want them to stop? No. Because I want to watch them on DVD. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to get a babysitter to go out and watch any of these. Not even uh, Justice League? Oh, especially not Justice League. Cyborg. Man, that, that's a hard character to look not goofy. I wish they would have done Martian Manhunter instead of Cyborg, for sure. Yeah, it would probably be a lot Martian of- Manhunter's in Supergirl, by the way. <laughs> we talked about Supergirl last time. I think I was on. I'm just not a. I'm not a super fan of Supergirl. <laughs> All right. Well, Jared, where can people find you and talk to you about Supergirl? Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wookie Lozenges. I changed my name. Can you spell lozenges? Lozenges. L O N or L O N. L O L. It's easier when I'm typing. L O Z E N G E S, and that's Wookie with two E's. The correct spelling of Wookie. Wookie lozenges. At Wookie lozenges. Yep. Very cool. And again, we mentioned before he's got that uh, article that got some uh, notice from the developer. A little bit, yeah. So you can go check that out at playsomevideogames.com. You can find everything That's Entertaining at that'sentertaining.net. You can check out our Twitter at entertainingpod. I am at voicedbynathan on Twitter. And that'll do it for us this week. Ladies and gentlemen, sweet Christmas. We thank you for listening, and we hope 
that you have been entertained. <laughs>